Welcome to episode number nine of the Student Manager. It's Fonger News, and I have two great guests that I've known for a while, Tara and Emma Raiden. How are y'all doing? Hello. Hi, we're doing pretty good. Uh, excited to be here. We have a lot to talk about. Yes, I mean, I've known do. you from the Holy Family Days to Modern Day to Vanderbilt, transferring back to Cal. Mm-hmm. Now you all graduated looking for jobs. We have jobs. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll get into that. Let's talk about the student manager. It is a episode podcast that we try to help parents and students about research college admission process. And I got to thank my executive producer, Murph Cargis, formerly of Sugar Ray. Mm-hmm. I want to fly. Mm-hmm. So thanks, Murph. And we got to thank our sponsor, the one and only Fonger News. <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to get more sponsors and we're trying to get more followers to the student manager. And maybe after your episode, we'll increase that. Tara is part of Feeling Healthy. Yep, that's my that's my page. Feeling Healthy on Instagram, Emma. What are I, you doing? I just rebooted my Instagram account. Start started from scratch since I started working. I was like, I need a fresh, clean slate. So I can't really help you very much. You know, <laughs> hundred followers. There we go. <laughs> there you go. So before we get into the the, the nuts and bolts of you know, parents and students right now here in fall going through the college admission process, searching, doing applications, and you all have a unique story. But at the end of the day, four years, it goes by quick, yes or no? Yes, it does. Yes, yes. Then the real world starts. So let's take this first with Tara. What are you doing now that you graduated Cal? So I graduated Cal in May, and I had one online summer school course to take. So I knew that during that time when I took the online course, I was going to spend that time period looking for a job. So I've been actually looking at a couple of different places to move. A couple of them were Colorado, San Diego, and Austin. And I actually fell in love with, with Texas when I went to visit. So I started searching mm-hmm. for jobs. And it's been about two months. And I did some interviews last week and actually nailed the job at, at Dialpad, which is a company in downtown Austin, Texas. And what do they do? So it's a telecommunications company, and they're basically trying to eliminate the desk phone and its cloud-based software. So I'm going to be doing sales for them, but they're a startup based in San Francisco, and they're just making sales support, phone calls, uh, conference calls a lot more efficient. And I have some more questions to follow up on that. Let's go to Emma. Emma, are you staying local? Yeah, so after the four years in NorCal, I decided I wanted to go back to the better part of California, Southern California, and uh, I work at a quantum encryption company out of Newport Beach, so it's pretty local to where I grew up. Um, It's a startup, been around for nine months, so it's kind of nice. I'm technically a part of marketing, but I help across the board, commercial development, a little bit of help with DevOps research, so I'm pretty involved, and it's very exciting. It's a small company, and quickly growing, but uh, just a lot of different hurdles to move through uh, with the startup. So both startups, Mm -hmm. do any of these startup companies that you're working for have anything to do with your major? Mm, Absolutely not, but a lot of the times your major just helps you develop a great, great attitude, a great type of you know, work ethic. So those are things that really come in handy when going through the job application process and, and finding something you do. I mean, I was a sociology major, and in that major, you learn a lot about different aspects of life and different types of people and different societies and the way that things work around you. So I think it kind of helped me navigate what I wanted to do uh, in my head. But yeah, it had pretty much 
everything and nothing to do with my job. <laughs> e, what about you? Yeah, I would say that the major does not matter as much as the whole college experience as a whole. So you're picking up deadlines, how to type emails, how to talk to adults. All those things are extremely important in the work world. And I, I see it in other people, and I could almost tell who's had that further level of education when I'm sending emails and working in meetings. So it, it's not about the major. It's about what you pick up with how you respond to different people. And I tell my followers and audience that the other students, other guests that I've had on, it really doesn't matter what you major in. Mm -mm. Or your GPA is, it kind of matters, but just as far as work ethic goes, but it, it's not the end of the world if you get a, a, a C here and there. Are you listening, you <laughs> pressurized tiger parents out there that want your kids to have a high GPA, ACT, go to this prestigious college, and then go get a job, and what's your major, correct? Did you, let me ask you this, because I know your parents, Dave and Tammy, very well. Did they put any pressure on you when you graduated? Like, you need to get a job. You're not living at home. From college? Yes. Uh, actually, they kind of encouraged me to wait it out and see if I liked my job before moving out. So I actually lived at home for a month, month and a half, and it was my decision like i want to i want to get out of there i want to develop the skills i need as an individual adult i've been living away with from my parents for four or five years i i don't want to move back in uh, they were encouraging me to move out um but wanted to make sure i was stable with what i was doing so what skills do you think were the most important that you learned or you said living on my own yes uh just the basics as far as keeping up with cleaning and uh, regular chores, knowing when to pay my bills for my apartment. Responsibility. Yeah, you know, the basic things of growing up that I was already somewhat used to when I was in college, but now you just have the free freedom of making your own money and deciding what you want to do with it. T. Well, they knew that I wanted to move to a different state. I, I'm really open to just learning from new experiences. So... It kind of took me, I mean, it took me a couple months to find a job. I feel like that's pretty standard. But I was getting a little bit worried uh, as the time went on. So they were they were pretty, they were just like, all right, when, when's she going? So, I mean, they, they didn't lay on too much pressure, which is great. I'm, it, it worked out pretty well. Is there any advice or recommendations that you can give parents out there that are listening to their kids that have just graduated, maybe trying to get into the workforce? What would you advise parents? For parents, I would say it's imp really important not to be too hard on your kid. You don't want them to get aggravated. They already have a lot of pressure from society, from their, from their friends, from, from their peers uh, to, to get going. So as long as parents stay supportive and, and just acknowledge that good things take time, they're not going to get the perfect job or the perfect opportunity right away. I mean, they could, but you kind of want to wait it out, see what, what's right for you first before you make right. a a jump to something that you're not that's that may not be right for you did you have something yeah yeah so i would say that rejection is okay at first you could apply to you know hundreds of jobs and rejection is an okay thing because you could always build off of how something went in the past and i would advise people to go through a recruiter if things start to get a little challenging because they give the perfect advice on how to work through an interview and what to say and even if you're 
using those skills they told you you could apply that to um, other jobs you're finding on your own just basic interview skills so that's funny how you mentioned that murph i don't know in episode number one for those of you who have listened, I want to make the student manager even bigger and broader. I talk about students going to college, and this is what the end product is. When you graduate, the real world starts. <laughs> People don't give a shit about who you are at mm-hmm. the end of the day. It's what you can do for them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yes, that's huge. And, and we talk about this in interviewing skills and life skills and I actually want to bring in some people. If we have some time later on, I, I've hired a lot of people. There's mm-hmm. some tough questions I ask, and I'm going to see if you guys can oh pass gosh. it. <laughs> you know? oh so we'll see. We're talking to Emma and Tara Raiden, twin sisters, and we kind of are now going to take a step back in time. Gosh, I remember coaching you girls in basketball in fifth and sixth grade. Do you remember that? A little bit. <laughs> yeah, we, we stood out. We were a lot taller than everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, did I... Did I teach you anything? Any? Yes, yes. And we remember coming over to your house, playing around on your little mini court there. That was fun. Lots <laughs> and, of now, and now look at you, grown, <laughs> young adults. At Modern Day, you were soccer athletes. Then I think an injury happened. We went into track before we got to college and that's what we went to college for on a track scholarship for both of you right mm-hmm. so first and if you don't mind what what college did you let, let's tell the audience where did you first go to college first went to Vanderbilt University in Nashville Tennessee so Vanderbilt in Tennessee I've had other guests on here and we're talking about rejection Emma they got rejected from Vanderbilt right mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I said this question, if you were not running track, would you get in the Vanderbilt? Probably not. Unlikely. We went through high school knowing to put all of our, a lot of eggs in one basket and focus on sports, uh, maintaining a decent GPA, but knowing that sports would leverage uh, to help us get into college. So let's go back to high school. Do you remember each of your GPAs, ACT scores? Yes. Yes. And let's be honest here, because you guys, (laughs) we're done. It's not like you're going to college Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So GPA was 3.3 and SAT 16, Hers was 1,700. Mine was 1,650. And we both had a 3.3 GPA. And now they went back to the old. So for the parents and students listening, a 1,600 or 1,650 and a 1,700 would be phenomenal today. So they went back to the old scoring, mm-hmm. if you did yeah. not know that. Because okay. they, they used to, uh, when you all were going, mm-hmm. I forget what the top score was on the SAT. Um, I think 21, you know, 22. I'm not sure. 1600's <laughs> the yeah. max now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 <laughs> so you all would a be plus going plus. to wherever. <laughs> all right. So you both agree that take away track, you probably would not have gotten into Vanderbilt. Right. No, and th- th- that score also got us into Columbia. So that they were, since they're an IV, they had a certain test score we had to hit, and we hit that exact score. What was that 1650. test score? Sixteen fifty. Sixteen fifty. Okay, so I don't know what that transfers into today. Mm-hmm. So, what other schools did you get accepted to, and even visit it? So we got accepted to Columbia, Georgetown, Georgetown. Vanderbilt, Cal, UCLA. Were those your top five? Yes, for both of us. 
for both of you. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I forgot, you know, being twin sisters, you're inseparable. Pretty yeah. much. Now we, we told all the coaches we were a package deal. Yes, package I deal. I remember Dave and Tammy, your parents, <laughs> saying they're going together. It's a package <laughs> deal. And I think I actually remember texting your dad when you're all at Columbia. And talk to me about that experience. We've been on that campus. I have my take on it. Beautiful. Emma's already shaking her head like, <laughs> no. no. I, I loved it. That was my favorite school by far. Okay. Was it both of ours? Or? I loved it. Yeah, it was absolutely yeah. beautiful. New York's a great place to be. So we actually visited Columbia with our other modern-day track athlete, Ashlyn Rambo, and she ended up going to Notre Dame for cross-country. But it was okay. all three of our first visits. We all thoroughly enjoyed ourselves, got along with the teammates there very well. And um, yeah, at the end of the day, it came out to scholarship money. So we weren't able to take advantage of uh, the Ivy League, but... It's all good. It all works out for a reason. At the end of the day, everything does work out. Let's focus on that. So you went to Columbia. What did you like about that campus? I liked being in New York just because of all the things going on and how grand the the main part of campus was with the libraries and the statues. It, just, it really just made an impact on, like a, a wow impact for me. And when you're on campus, Tara... Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel like you're in the city until you actually walk out, correct? Exactly. So when you're on campus, it's kind of like a different world. Everyone's very studious. It's, it's kind of quiet, but there's also things going on, like you know, bands playing or clubs setting up tables. So it's very college feel, even though you're in New York City, which, which we loved. And I remember the track. Isn't, isn't their athletic facility, it's kind of leveled and there's different parts of the athletic department the weight room and where the yeah. track is yeah the track was off campus from what i remember it was indoors right well they they we went to the outdoor one okay. as well we we visited some other indoor facility that mm -hmm. they do the armory the armory we okay. visited the armory which was surreal it was where, where they do their cool. indoor track meets and they have i think the new balance indoor nationals pretty pretty awesome stadium so at the end of the day columbia first visit you like it but Scholarship wise, you yeah. Dave, money was coming out of Dave and Tammy's pocket. <laughs> yeah, so Ivy Leagues only do academic scholarships, so we were not able to take advantage of that. And I yeah. like how you said you're not going to be able to take advantage <laughs> of that. Um, but it's okay. Uh, we appreciated meeting all the the people there. And it's it's a great start because now as you're interviewing for companies, mm -hmm. I tell people go on a, five visits, mm -hmm. right? explore so you can compare mm -hmm. don't get sold on one mm -hmm. what's your second school that you visited second school i think the second school was georgetown, georgetown. university okay. another prestigious school yes. yes talk to me was money involved what why not georgetown so their track facilities were not the best they were redoing their track uh i think two years after we would have been there so it would have been our uh junior senior year which wasn't very attractive for us joining the program. Yeah, I think you know, compared to, to modern days, it's it's a little hard to to downgrade from. You're right, modern <laughs> from the day elite has facilities. Modern day, I consider that a a mid major college. Yes, it is definitely course. that their athletic program is pristine. <laughs> People, when they're when you're there, you think, oh, this is great. It's only going to get better. It doesn't get too much better. So. Actually, a lot of the people we met in college, when we had a modern day shirt on or anything, they would come up to us. Oh, you went to modern day? Do you know so and so? And so, just wearing that logo was just. People know who modern day is. It gets you pretty far. Yeah. Yes. Out of all uh, Vanderbilt, <laughs> small school, 
people from all over the U.S. They who played sports at Vanderbilt, especially, they would see you wearing a shirt and be like, "Oh my gosh, they're so good!" Did you? <laughs> yeah. So it was it was pretty cool. I still sometimes wear a modern day. I think I was actually in Nashville running. Mm-hmm. I think I took a picture and sent it to you when I was on on the track. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And people were like, "Did you go to?" Did you go to Modern Day? Did you have kids there? <laughs> yeah. So th- you're right. Very brand name, mm-hmm. right? Recognizing. So let's go into uh, why we selected Vanderbilt. Definitely. Yeah. So Vanderbilt is a very prestigious school. and the Ivy of the South. Yes, it's Ivy of the South. A lot of people want to go there. A lot of parents want, th- want their kids to go there. We were, we were talked into it. It's a good school. Very great school. Talked into it by who? Our parents wanted us to go there, and yeah. that was... That was we we went along with it. We didn't quite know what we wanted at the time. When you're in high school, you know, you, you really don't know what you want most of the time. You're 17. So, yeah, so we still liked the idea of getting away from home as a learning curve from leaving high school to going to college. Just being away from home gives you that chance to realize how much right. you miss home. So regardless, we did like moving. So that was one of the things that um, made us in- slightly inclined to Vanderbilt. Yes. You went on one recruiting trip to Vanderbilt? Yes. Yes. Uh, was it during the fall, winter? What was the weather like? Did that have any effect uh, on you? It was all during fall, all of our visits, because, you know, I got to do it before track season. Um, it was a little cold, um, but our visits to Columbia and Georgetown were, were a little better earlier fall. So, was it as cold? Wasn't as cold. <laughs> so you're freshman on campus. I call it Nash Vegas. Mm-hmm. You have Broadway. You have Country Festival. You have the football stadium there. Uh, and I always tell my daughter, I said, when you turn 21, Sophia and Julia, who mm-hmm. you know, those are my daughters. Mm-hmm. Do you know Sophia is going to University of Washington oh, wow. at the That's end awesome. of the month? Because um, uh, uh, you know them when they're, I think one of you guys were their uh-huh. big buddy, yeah. the Holy yes. Family. Yes. But anyways, Nash Vegas, there's so much to do. Let's talk about that because people that don't get accepted to Vanderbilt because of their grades, you have an opportunity with track, but obviously you only stayed at Vanderbilt for one semester. One year. For one me. year. Yeah. One year. One semester for me. Emma, one semester. Tara. Or, nope. Other way around. Oh, <laughs> Emma, one year. Tara, one semester. Yes. Correct. So why did you come home right after the first semester? Uh, I think when it boils down to it, it just with track, I had a hip injury that was kind of inhibiting me from performing well. And it was a very small school. And growing up in Southern California, you're used to the UCLA's, USC's, you know, the Pac-12 big sports teams. So going to a smaller school was quite a bit of adjustment. And it was also the coldest winter that they've had in 10 years. 20 20, 20 years. So <laughs> it's, you, it was quite freezing. There was snow some days. It was mainly it, icy. It rained a lot. Uh, very, very small sports, sports but program. But didn't you know that? Here, here's what I tell students, even athletes. Hello, didn't you do your due diligence process? Didn't you know that going in? Mm. Let's be honest. I feel like we were a bit shocked by the weather. But uh, it was a, lo- a lot of, you know, transportation issues. We, w- we didn't get to drive around and explore the city as often as we wanted to. Just little things. I- it could have been different. But looking back, I, you know, I can't change it. So there's right. nothing. And, and, and at the end of the day, things happen for a reason. So mm-hmm. really, for the students out there listening and parents out there listening, th- things do happen for a reason. But 
I, I got to tell the parents and students like, hello, go back there. What, what did you not expect? It's going to get cold. Yeah. Right? Um, You're from Orange County. Don't take this the wrong way. I'm like, suck it up. Yeah. Like, aren't you tough yeah. enough? Yeah. Um, for me, I think if we went back to Vanderbilt, it would have been a different experience not being athletes because mm -hmm. we would have had the opportunity to join a sorority. It wasn't as encouraged if you did sports. Right. And gone out a little bit more, explored, had time to go on trips that weren't sports related. So that adjustment was something we didn't quite expect because Tara and I both love traveling, just driving around all across SoCal, um, visiting new places. And a lot of our teammates were pretty introverted in that aspect where they didn't really want to go anywhere. Because they um, were mostly from that area. so they, Yeah, so they okay. just kind of were comfortable. And we wanted to check out what we were around because we've never been there. So it was a little closed off. And even when I went on uh, different trips for track, we went to Florida and everyone wanted to go to Panera. And we went to Panera once. I was like, okay, and been let's there, try Cuban that. food. And literally zero people wanted to come with me. So that just thing, little things like that just added up and it's, it's hard to be around. So let's, let's stay, stick on that. I've known you for a while because I had another uh, guest on here and she transferred. People from the South, how weird are they? They're very comfortable in their ways. They don't. So like be specific. <laughs> what ways? Uh, I dated someone, and he was proud to never own a pair of blue jeans, or Vans. So I bought him Vans. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Things like that. Yeah. Another thing. I mean, they're they're very nice, which is great. Very welcoming people. But a lot of people there have never been to California. People did not know. Some of there our friends did not know that there are mountains. Very intelligent people didn't know there are hills or mountains. Uh, th these are Vanderbilt yes, students. Vanderbilt yes. students did not know there are mountains. Academic. In California, so when they visit us on an airplane, oh my gosh, there's mountains! Like, uh huh, yep. yeah, uh, Lake Tahoe, Hills. Big Bear. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you think they're backwards out there? No, they, I mean they don't think there's a reason to travel anywhere further west than Nashville, if they're from Florida or Texas. I'd say yeah, they, they've been to Texas. Texas. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, just stuck in their ways a little bit, and I th I'd like to think things have changed a little bit since then. But you know, with a little bit of culture shock, gentrification here and there, sometimes it's a good thing. So we do both want to visit Nashville again now that we're 21, and we think there's a lot of development over there. So it is booming out there. Yes, definitely booming. What what advice recommendation could you give parents, our students, especially from here? being in Orange County that are looking to schools in the South yeah. because what you're saying, it, it's, it's a track record because other students are saying the same thing. And I'm always telling students and parents, go visit the school. You, what do you expect? These people are mm -hmm. gonna be different. It's yeah. not like California, but it is only four years out of your life. And we're yes. gonna get into your transfer and coming back to California because things do happen for a reason. But I'm trying to help uh, communicate the Vanderbilt experience that you guys had mm -hmm. and some of the people that you're running into or the schools that you kind of thought and looked and said, you know what, this may not be for me. I would say that parents need to be in a lot of communication with their children if they're going through a rough time. Like, for example, we didn't talk to our parents as much on a day-to-day -day basis okay. when we were in high school, just so busy with academics and sports for the most part. And then 
going to school, you suddenly miss your parents a lot. It's crazy. They're like, why is she calling me every, every day? <laughs> so just keeping that communication, knowing that even though you're miles apart, just seeming a mile away is so much better and makes the process easier. Mm-hmm. So when you were at Vanderbilt, did you call your parents every day? At first, no. No, <laughs> I didn't talk to my parents probably first. Like, I mean, I talked to them maybe once a week for the first two months, which is not... I, and then in Berkeley, still getting I talked to, to them probably every day. Okay. So quite... And I was a lot happier Yeah, just Berkeley. a small little update on life. But mm-hmm. could there have been a sign that your parents could have picked up on when you are at Vanderbilt? I think they didn't hear from us enough to pick up the sign. Yeah, we were still adjusting with that first semester, getting used to it. And then with track season, it definitely just got a little harder um, because it's not the same as high school. You're not the same little superstar you were. Everybody's good. Especially Mm -hmm. in the SEC. (laughs) So you you just get beaten up a little bit and you need that extra support from your parents. Let me ask you this. When I visited you all in Vanderbilt, it was the first week of November. Did you know you wanted to come home? I think that I was probably just very tired and very busy. And I thought that it might get better with, you know, track season coming up and performing. It might have changed the mindset a little bit. But I mm-hmm. think we were just trying to adjust still. You're still in that adjustment phase. I don't think I, don't think I knew yet. Um, only a month somewhere, you know, it's it, you're not permanently there so you don't quite know i don't i don't think so yeah it took being through the hardships of track Mm -hmm. and just a mix of just a few different factors of thinking do i want to stick this out or not is it managed to do it for a year and it yeah it would have been totally different not running track but we that did not cross our minds whatsoever we from day one we thought we were going to Go all four years. Crush it. Be yeah. all SEC. <laughs> go Commodores. <laughs> so now you're home. Uh-huh. Tara's home. You're finishing out Vanderbilt. You enroll in what community college? I was at UCLA Extension. UCLA Extension. Yes. Okay. So, and I think we talked about this a little bit before. You kind of knew what you wanted to do after. We're looking at transferring now. Right. Yes. So who do you reach out to? What are you doing? How do you communicate to your sister? This Mm. whole process. So regarding transferring, I reached out to the schools who reached out to me in high school. So I was not originally, actually, I was not originally contacted by USC, but I reached out to them again. And the USC coach was very nice. And I I met up with him. The USC is, (laughs) USC is a very, they have such a phenomenal athletic program. uh, But that just didn't work out and then for ucla scholarship there yes they didn't have any scholarships left it was quite late i think i started talking to them in may or yeah so they had already done all the recruiting it was the process was pretty much over for the next year and i talked to the ucla coach i trained with her she was great joanna hayes she also trains a lot of the nike athletes tara was training with allison felix allison felix so that was super cool I think Sydney McLaughlin, who's currently, uh, she's, she just turned 21, 20. She just turned 20, I think. I, I don't even know. I she's follow a, some track she's Olympians. She's 400 hurdler that uh, was in the Olympics at eight, 18. 
Okay. Yes. Which is very good. So you're well. training at UCLA. Yes, with very talented athletes. It was very exciting, but we didn't. They said that they could not accept my sister and I until w- the winter quarter. And so basically, when I was in SoCal, I had to reach out to all these coaches and basically be a salesperson for myself and for my sister who was still in Nashville. And, <laughs> and basically convince them, hey, we'd like to transfer. So it, it was quite interesting. So you know what? I'm going to s- stick on this because what you did, I don't know if who told you, who inspired you to do that, but that is real life. That's prospecting. That's trying to get a job, mm-hmm. which you guys are now fast forward, right? <laughs> yes. I've used yeah. the example in my interview. She was running in some open meets and meeting coaches there yes i would go reach out to i'd talk to coaches who were watching mount sac relays and all these different state state track meets even for high school i'd go sit and watch modern day and i'd go talk to coaches that were there so for students out there listening because the real world's going to be out there or even going to college what's your share with them what would you what advice would you give them because tara what you did i I, that's huge a big thing for athletes trying to get into school, a lot of coaches don't see you. There's so many athletes mm-hmm. across the United States. You have to reach out to them. You have to email, email them first. Phone calls. Whenever the deadline, because there's certain dates where you can contact coaches, you have to be on it because they're so busy. They have their own team. They have their own. They're they're not focused on recruiting. They're focused on their upcoming season. And a lot of issues that track athletes or any athletes in high school face is they they kind of wait to be contacted, but you really have to reach out to the coaches. You yep. have to be very adamant about that. They think just because your times are posted online and you showcased yourself at a meet that that's good enough, but send that first email to every top school. And Bug them. <laughs> every other school, and then send if wait a week or two, send another one. If you show that you're actively trying and really want a spot on their team, they'll, they'll contact you. So this goes out to the students out there that are athletes. Right, even talking about preferred walk-ons, even to be a walk-on, yes, definitely, exactly preferred walk-ons, yes, right. Because if you're not the top football player or basketball player, especially in your field, track, cross country, there's so many sports out there where these coaches, it's so easy to communicate, Mm -hmm. and you're starting at a young age, and you're learning real life skills, business. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Of you're selling, you're selling yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing with that is a lot of people who maybe just want to be a walk-on on a team, they think that you may have to commit to four years of sports in college. Most people do not do all four years of sports in college. They'll do a little bit, they'll get the experience, but it's not a four-year commitment necessarily. It's, it's you're there to be to meet people, to get on the team, to work hard, to learn a work ethic. But it's if things don't work out, it's okay. Yeah, it, it's fine if things don't work out. So she's doing, she's VP of sales for the, the Raiden sisters while you're hustling at Vanderbilt. You now come back after your first year, right? You reach out to all these college coaches. Let's kind of weave in how, obviously you're recruited by Cal mm-hmm. at the very beginning after high school. Mm-hmm. You're going to meet, you're selling, you're doing emails mm-hmm. and you're coming as a package deal. How does Cal come about? So I actually went and sat down next to the Cal coach at the California State, or no, it was the CIF track meet in Cerritos. And I was like, hey, remember me? (laughs) And we talked a little bit, and I basically talked about our experience at Vanderbilt and that we're looking to transfer. And he was fully on board. 
So we both ended up at Cal. Um, what was that? 20 fall? 2015? Yeah. The next year we ended up at <laughs> Cal. Or, yeah. So it, was, it worked out for both of us. Yeah. And before you go to Cal, I mean, all these other schools, did you, so UCLA was no. And they just weren't organized in their process, so it would have taken too long. USC, they ran out of scholarships. So, again, didn't want to pay that hefty amount of money right. for the two of us. Um, we were really looking, at that point, back to California. So, you right. know, SoCal, NorCal. We already visited Cal when we were getting out of high school. Why not just give it a chance? Because we still enjoyed our experience there as when we visited. So let's talk about Berkeley. Did you know I was born in Berkeley? No, oh, I had no idea. Fun fact. There we go. <laughs> Alta Bates Hospital. Yeah, yep, I've been, been there. there. Yep. <laughs> what were you all doing at Alta Bates Hospital? <laughs> just like Should a, I even a, ask? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think I just had a bad cold. A yeah. cold. <laughs> well, I, I don't. I, I There's all sorts it. of illnesses in college. <laughs> so yes, I was born at Alta Bates Hospital. Matter of fact, just went up there yesterday. Piedmont Hills. Beautiful mm -hmm. uh, area. Oh, another thing about Vanderbilt. Tara and I both got sick like five, maybe 10 times, me 10 times for, throughout the entire year just because of the weather adjustment. So I had the flu, I had a few other things that when you're running, it just throws you off. And that was a big part of yes. like being a little just sad all the time. And so you're wondering why I wasn't sick at all, all throughout high school. I'm a pretty healthy person. And, you know, the weather changed just... Just throwing that in there. <laughs> it's it's be prepared. It could be a shock to some. Yes, that's why you have to experience and go to different schools and look at it. Julia, who's my senior now at Modern Day, can you believe she's a senior already? I cannot. <laughs> Her number one choice is Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. She's visited twice, and she said, "Daddy, it's four years. It's going to be cold. No, you really, do you realize how cold it's going to be? <laughs> is it during the cold?" It was, we visited once when it was 25, but okay. 25 above, not below. Oh. <laughs> okay. And then she's also been there when it was 103. Wow. So okay. she's seen the extreme. Okay, that's good. That's so good. I tell people, check out the seasons, mm -hmm. right? We're from California. Mm -hmm. You guys are from Santa Ana Heights, right? <laughs> nice. It's sunny. You go to modern day. You yeah. run track. You're going to get a scholarship. It's real life out there. Mm -hmm. So now you're at Cal. We enroll at Cal. Mm -hmm. And from following you all on Instagram, it looked like you guys had a blast and a fun time <laughs> at Cal. It was pretty great. Yeah, it was. Uh, we uh, joined a sorority. That was while we were still in the track team. We, we just wanted to get immersed in whatever we could just because of our experience at Vanderbilt. Wanted to switch it up a little bit. It wasn't advised from our coaches, so we kind of kept it a little on the down low. I don't so, even know if we asked them. We just did So it. let's talk about that because I know a lot of athletes – some will say, my coach won't let me, mm -hmm. right? And then I was going to get into that. So obviously Cal said, don't join a sorority. I don't think they said don't join I it. Think we we don't heard from it. teammates. I, there weren't really any other track teammates within Greek life, but we were like, there's nothing to lose, so we're doing it. <laughs> so what sorority do you join? Tri Delta. Yeah, we actually missed the first day of sorority recruitment. So we didn't think it was a big deal. We, did, we had no idea how uh, <laughs> important the whole rush. We're rush, pretty casual about this whole situation. How important rush is. So we did not go the first day. And then if you're not, if you don't attend the first day, they don't invite you back. So we only got, got invited in. back to. How did you get invited back? Th I, they were just like, oh, that name looks cool. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. 
There, I think there's 12 or 13 sororities. <laughs> four, four of them, maybe? Four of them invited us back. Out of 12. So, Slim Pickens. Uh, so, Tridel invites you back. Mm-hmm. Who else? Uh, Gamma, Beta, something. G5B, Gamma, Phi, yeah, Beta? Think, yeah. Emma, you don't even remember the name? Nope, nope, no. don't remember. Again, we didn't. Ne- we never took Sorority Greek Live that seriously, so. <laughs> so, let's talk about this because my daughter, Sophia, is going through, she's not even stepped foot on campus for early fall start. Mm-hmm. She already has nine reference letters. Oh, wow. That's great. From like 14 houses. We do have a Tri-Delt alumni because <laughs> I was trying to see exactly, yeah. can yeah. we steal another one in there? <laughs> but, and, and I talked to a lot of my friends that are females that are writing her these reference letters. I, I said, was it like that when you all went through Sorority Rush? They're like, no, absolutely not. So obviously you're just casual. Hey, what? yes, they're exactly. all. Every school is very different. <laughs> well, Cal's so liberal and chill yeah, well, and kick yeah, back. There, mm-hmm. there were a lot of things that came up with the, Greek, how liberal it was. Greek life is not. People don't like Greek life there that aren't in Greek life. Okay. It's very so frowned upon. Tri Delta had a blonde pres- president two years in a row, and that, and someone reported that from our sort. So things like that. It's a little sensitive. You know, you got to be careful what you're saying. Um, so wait, Tara, Greek life is not. Yeah, the rest of the campus. I think there were a couple of protests, uh, just wanting to eliminate it. So it's it's something that people. Yeah, it's it's just not that big of a. It's not you know the South where everyone wants to be a part of it. Uh, we yeah I don't know it was, it was just it was just kind of there. <laughs> I know during one of the game days, uh, people were were holding out or holding up protest signs outside of one of the mm-hmm. fraternities. I don't even know if there was a exact specific reason, but just protesting fraternities. What's the best thing about sorority life looking back on it now? Definitely you make friends, but I wish something I, I mean, the only piece of advice I have for that is to definitely go to the first day of rush. Cause we really, we butchered that one. We did not go, <laughs> yeah. and it really made it made a big difference because we didn't have really an option. Most people get to choose which ones they want to return back to. I think you fill out a little card which ones you liked, and then they fill out if they liked you, and they match you. But we didn't really have the opportunity to get matched to anyone, so and we just kind of ended up where we were. Another thing, when picking from the four that we had to choose from, each house you could kind of tell when you're having a real or fake conversation. And for us, we were pretty genuine. So I think finding a house where you're comfortable with those girls was super important. And Tridel was the house that we felt comfortable with the girls there. That what you just hit on, I just had this conversation uh, from a couple of reference letters coming from Sophia. Uh, She's a Theta legacy, my wife, Maria. Uh, And we told Sophia, those of you listening out there, parents, if you're, have a daughter and she wants to rush let her go where she wants mm-hmm. to go where she fits in yeah. and feels comfortable yeah and the all the different sororities are different at different schools yes. so if your parent or legacy went somewhere that's not the same school it's a completely different house with different girls than it was when they went or someone you may know tammy mm-hmm. went to university of louisville yes and she was just she a little was, sister at a fraternity yeah okay <laughs> So. <laughs> you yeah. just said a little sister at a fraternity. I don't know what you that is, know. but... <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about the Cal experience. What did you like about it? I liked, in some ways, the, the culture, the, the food around 
campus was always like there's always something new I don't know if you've tried Ethiopian food but that was a big hit for us something that was new um yeah definitely very diverse the classes were you know you had teachers at the beginning of the semester like oh this this lady's kind of kind of tough and then you make it to the end and you're like wow I just completed a Cal class so yeah being sociology majors Cal is the top sociology school, which you're going to get a lot of debate um, going on in the classes. So it was always interesting having mm-hmm. people with like very strong opinions and being able to articulate around that. We didn't want to speak up too much in some circumstances because of how passionate people were, but it gave us the opportunity to learn their side of things. Yeah, I'd like to touch on majors a little bit. So most parents, they tell you, oh, you have plenty of time. You do have time, but it's also very limited, especially as a transfer student. I, my sister and I both wanted to do architecture as our dad did construction mm-hmm. growing up. So we were exposed to, you know, houses and buildings. We both love art and design. Yeah. And so going to Cal, you had to have two years of prerequisites by the time you're a junior. At completed Cal. at Cal. And in order to do that, we would have had to drop out of Cal and reapply and well, take the prerequisites elsewhere at maybe community college. And that's a risk that we couldn't take. So definitely, I mean... So if you had to do it all over again, that's the major you wanted to go into? I don't know if I would do it all over again because everything just kind of worked out. <laughs> um, so that might have just taken me completely somewhere else and I don't know where that, right. <laughs> that would have been. But it was... That would have been cool to do I, I think I would have enjoyed yeah. it I would say have a general idea of the type of major you're interested in mm-hmm. that way you could get all the prerequisite the proper prerequisites in because those sometimes you need a lot of of classes and you won't be prepared when you t- try to change your mind as a junior <laughs> how many units transferred in for you did you transfer uh, wow. in as a sophomore okay. yes I transferred as a sophomore I can't remember the specific amount, but it was half of my classes from Vanderbilt. So I had business and English, and those didn't count, but, you know, uh, history of music, that counted. So Hmm. they look at the syllabus and just were like, nope, that doesn't look good enough. Sorry. And that was actually really... coming from Vandy. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We tried that argument, and that is one of the things you have to realize before transferring. Make sure that whatever classes you're taking will be transferred over otherwise just going to have to redo it and that's a reason Tara and I both had to do our fifth year because none of Tara's classes transferred. I had, well, I had 11. Victory lap. From <laughs> UCLA. Yeah. One class from OCC over the summer that I took that we took and Vanderbilt just 11 I think it was 11.6 units. That transferred over. Yes. And that was so like one from UCLA worth. and then one from OCC. Yes, and then one like I had an English class at Vanderbilt, not transfer over, and I got an A in it. I was super. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was GPA upset. GPA doesn't transfer, so it's a little bit of a, a rough start, but yeah, new start. <laughs> and I've had a lot of guests on here that have been rejected by Cal. Should mm-hmm. I say not accepted by Cal? <laughs> you two are very fortunate. To have a degree from Cal. Mm-hmm. To get there by track. Did we finish? I don't think we finished all four years on track, did we? Nope. Three no. Years. How, when did you stop track? Stopped track, I think it was... Well... End of... <laughs> I think it was like end of October. 
Yeah, so, so one month after into we it, trans- we did, I think it was, school starts in August. So it was August, September, October. So we did three full months. And I actually was doing practice warm-up one day. And I felt a weird pain in my glute hip area. And I was just like, oh, I'm going to go roll this out and see. Try try to get the kink out. And I couldn't. So I was like, coach, I got I to gotta go to the trainer. This is not working out. He's like, no, you're, you're, you're doing these stairs, the stadiums. And he kind of was like, no, you're not going to do it. And I, was, I said, I can't run right now. I, I have to go. So I just walked off and I went to the trainer and basically I went to the trainer for like two weeks and the coach said, you got to come back to practice. And I had times where I would lean over to put something in the oven and my hip would retweak itself and I could not walk. I had to go lay on the couch in basically fetal position. So that was, I just knew something was very wrong with me and that I, you know, I just couldn't run. And she, I mean, yeah, I kind of had a similar situation, but growing up when I was 12, so kind of teen puberty age, I was actually running during a soccer workout and part of my pelvis, like a tiny little piece chipped off. And I ended up in a wheelchair, not able to move my leg even a centimeter without excruciating pain. And so I think both of us just have grown up with this thing called hip dysplasia, Mm -hmm. which led to a a surgery for Tara, which we'll probably get into later. But pretty much we both had hip issues that were masked all throughout high school because we had very attentive care and the transition to college where they're not really focusing on, on some of those special needs of certain athletes. Yes, we did a lot of physical therapy in high school, which I think helped. Yes. Um, great coaching system at modern day and then the transition to college they they tell you to work on strength in your glutes or other things and we were plenty strong from all of our weight training at Vanderbilt some we were lifting the heaviest and they kind of just throw things out there that they think might be right and they they don't listen to your body (laughs) yes that's very important and and you know what Tara I think I remember following Mm -hmm. you because you wrote some post Mm -hmm. that were very emotional Mm -hmm. about just your the running and like being injured and then getting back and yes if you can share because I know that hit you hard yeah definitely so I went to the the coach referred me to the football team doctor and she told me you're just not strong enough and I was doing all the weights you know I, I did everything that I could my sister and I actually got our citizenship to Croatia because we wanted to run for Croatia and run professionally, maybe go to the Olympics. So we were very hardworking. We always were, you know, first for practice, work the hardest. Uh, if the coach wasn't there, we'd still put in all the work, even though other teammates would not. So it was not like a, it was, a, I think the coach took it the wrong way that we maybe transferred just to be on the team and to get mm-hmm. in the school and then to quit. So that was very upsetting on our end. And I actually, after we end, stopped running track, I took a couple months. And I was like, I'm not done with sports yet. So I tried out for the rowing team and I walked on for a little bit, but then my hip pain continued to persist. So yeah, it was, it was quite terrible, but it, <laughs> hip dysplasia is actually more common for twins because you're compressed in the womb. So that made me get a little bit of understanding as to why we might be having these issues. And it's actually just growing a lot more for women in general because we have a wider set of hips 
and women used to not play sports as much. So it seems like it's coming, that it's a new thing, that, you know, hips are evolving, but we're actually just being more involved in sports. And that's why it's getting a lot more attention. Do you still have your relationship with your track coach? No. No, only our high school one. (laughs) Rick Martinez. Yes, Rick Martinez and Sam Collins were best coaches in the whole wide world. (laughs) Shout out to them. Yeah. Do you know my uh, wife's, her high school boyfriend ran for Rick Martinez. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, he's been there forever. He's great. Rick Martinez out of modern day, (laughs) coach of the Raiden sisters. So then you leave track completely. And now you're just a college student at Cal. Wow. One of uh, the first things we realized was, wow, we could eat pizza for lunch and it we yeah. could just have the freedom to, you know, the first not day, realize how it'll affect us in a few hours at practice. Yeah, the first day we did not have practice. I remember getting, it was basically like what a knockoff of Panda Express. <laughs> and we were, it was just the best meal I've ever had <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah. What was it? That, it was a knockoff Panda Express. Yeah. It was just some orange chicken, you know, <laughs> and chow mein. And you can't do that as yeah. an athlete because you practice, you know, at, at have to think every hour strategically when do i go to bed when do i wake up how many hours before practice especially with track like you have to think about it digesting before you sprint so how much water you have before you're hurtling all practice so all those things we suddenly let go of and it was kind of weird and i tell high school students now that are looking to go play a sport in college i said it's a job yeah, it was very demanding. Study I, hours, for, mandatory. I remember being at Vanderbilt. I was so tired that I actually missed like 15 minutes of my first class because I was taking a nap. I took naps every single day. Every day. It was <laughs> it was exhausting. But it was a lot of fun. Good experience. You learn a good, great work ethic, and you learn how to prioritize your time. So some very valuable things learned there. Yeah, meeting with trainers, meeting with your academic advisor, going to weight room you get into this regular rigorous schedule where you're just taking a nap is the best thing in the world and (laughs) you're just right back at it the next day whereas being a regular student which we also realize you kind of are able to plan your day around your two three classes and do whatever you want the rest of the day um so just night and day schedules and it was a little bit of a relief but we also didn't know what to do with ourselves at first a lot Um, of self-discovery there i I remember just feeling so lost but i feel a lot better now (laughs) well and you all seem happier yes uh and you touched on two things tara because this podcast the student manager remember i coached through in basketball i was our student manager at long beach state Mm -hmm. i tell people it is a full-time job but the thing that it taught me it's so funny it's it it, if college kids can see this after Mm -hmm. and parents can hear this it's the work ethic and the time management and organization that I learned yes. as a student manager being part of that team mm-hmm. that has helped me where I am today. Yeah. So and the other teammates that are encouraging you, like, hey, let's go study. Let's get our a certain amount of study hours in. It's just you're building off of each other's motivation with practice and grades, and it helps so much. So for the followers and students listening, what advice could you give to the students and parents. So let's, Emma, I'll ask you, Emma, for the mm-hmm. students, and then Terry, you take on the parents yeah. because you're twin sisters, right? And if you want to share both, go ahead. But if I'm listening out there, because you've been through, you have a great story. Thank you. <laughs> what would you share with them? What would you advise them? What would you tell them? If you could do anything differently, what would you tell them? Mm-hmm. 
So when I went to college or was about to go to college, my parents would tell me just get involved in, in some sort of way that'll impact your social life and, and everything else. And I, I would have to say to some extent, yes, but don't feel pressured to do things that you don't think you're going to fit in with. So, you know, go to those classes that you might be interested in, say art or some, some explore things that you don't feel comfortable in, in the regular world, because it's okay to mess up in college. So try a class, take it for two weeks. If it's not for you, find something else, but you can't necessarily do that in real life. Um, or you'll lose your job. <laughs> so use that time to kind of test out what your passions are. I love it. Try to join some clubs, go eat at that new restaurant. You've never tried that food cuisine from. So just trial and error of what your experiences are. T. For me, I would say when looking at schools, if your child does not get into a school that they, that, that they wanted to go to, Community college is a great option. I know so many students at Berkeley that are so smart uh, and so talented. They're much smarter than I am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> save, <laughs> save some money. Yeah, you know. no, and they had time to figure out. Their went to the school they wanted to go to. It's not embarrassing. It's a great thing. You can you can go to places that you that your your kid can go to places where they originally couldn't get into. And also, if they go to a school that is lesser than what they you think that they should go to. It's they could still get a great major, which may lead to different jobs and and new opportunities. So a lot of, I mean, people overthink the whole thing, and mm -hmm. it it shouldn't. I mean, you just have to kind of fall. Let your child, you know, do what they can. They can always transfer if it's not right. Transfer. So many people transfer. It's not all, embarrassing. It's not embarrassing at all. It's. You know, look at your story. Your they don't stay at the same, yeah, they don't. People don't stay at the same job forever. It's basically the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then just keep in contact with your kid. Make sure that everything's going smoothly and that that they're happy. Pay them a visit. Call yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Call them. Check Even in. Even if make they sure don't want the call, okay. call them. <laughs> What's the biggest thing you've learned out of this whole experience? And how are we doing, Emma? Are you good? Yeah. Uh, biggest thing you've learned through this whole experience that that's going to help you. In the future. Yeah. Um, the college experience? For me, I would say my, well, my favorite, one of my favorite quotes is success is determined by how you handle setbacks. So if something isn't the best thing you've ever experienced or you're just having a bad time, always build off of that. Like say you're going to a party with friends and it's awful. Like, oh, at least we came out and enjoyed our time together. Just any type of experience, you have to find the positive in that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, building off on what she just said, I listened to this podcast recently and they were talking about putting your mind in a mental jail. And if you're at school or if you're anywhere really in life and you you mentally put yourself in a bad place, everything else is going to follow. So you really just have to turn things around in your head and everything else will follow in a positive light, uh, whether it's you know even eating bad food or or hanging with the wrong people. You have to surround yourself by things that are gonna make you better. And you can't let, put yourself in that mental jail. You have to, to put yourself out there and think positive and, and get through things. A lot of life is just getting through simple things. Finding the and, good and the bad. Yeah, finding the good parts in everything and keeping that optimism there. So, as we wrap up, because now that you've graduated, you. you 
all some of the things you're saying, these are how I build off of interview questions. Mm -hmm. And I think we're, Murph, how are we doing on time? Because I know they got to go somewhere. I, I got a couple questions and we're wrapping this baby up. So here is a, and this is going to help Emma and Tara, if you are interviewing, okay, you can tell the employer, potential employer to listen. I just thought about this, to okay. listen to this podcast because when I'm hiring people, I want to see how tough and what their life experiences are. And you're, you have a great story to share. So they could <laughs> listen to this at the end. But what here's some. GPAs? <laughs> and at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what GPA you got or your degree. It's who there you know. Yeah. Yeah. But if I said this, here's one question I always ask. Tell me what's one thing that's happened to you that's made you who you are today. What would it be? Yeah. Um, See, these are interviewing in questions. Events or I mean, I mean and huh. that you might and you might answer it like that. Okay. So yeah. as an employer, I'm going to tell you this. There's not a wrong answer. I want to see how you can answer it and how you can present I'll it. All right. So for me, Tara happened to me <laughs> <laughs> in in several ways, but for me the transition was sticking out my year at Vanderbilt because I couldn't just quit at that point, you know. She had her bad time, but I felt obligated at that point to find those positive points um, to make that year just fulfill it with as many new friends as I could. And uh, for me, we actually both were hand in hand, just always with each other every day. So for me, that was the first time like going to hang out with different friends by myself. So a big learning curve being by myself, which is sounds funny to everyone else, because they're not twins. Uh, when people ask, oh, what's it like being a twin? We don't know what it's like not being a twin. So <laughs> finding that sense of independence was super important, but also keeping that relationship from afar just taught me the different dynamics of figuring out who I am, um, but also keeping my close person close to me. <laughs> See, a future employer, that's a great question and an answer there's not a wrong answer, but now an employer might observe and and process that and go, okay, she's independent. How can she deal with adversity and make decisions on her own? Tara, your turn. <laughs> Definitely. So when we were in track and you know, I had to we both had to quit, that was pretty upsetting and devastating. And then I decided to join the rowing team on my own without Emma. And this was the first time that I'd done sports on my own, you know, going out to try it try out on a new team, a sport that I'd never done before, especially coming with, you know, a, a little bit of a hip issue. And uh, I was a walk-on. So just, I think it was two months in, I was doing great on the ERG, which is the rowing machine. I was, you know, I had pristine fitness with the rest of the team. And I was, I don't know what it was, but I think maybe with my, the way my hip was and I wasn't flexible, but I wasn't flowing with the team on the water. So they cut me and I was shocked. I was like, well, I'm, there goes all my sports, you know, out the window. So it's basically a very big defining moment, just getting rejected from something and having to keep on going and just kind of figuring out what you had to do. And I've also had a couple of job rejections recently going through this uh, application process and you can't let those little things stop you. Because if I had this negative mindset, then I would have gone through these interviews 
and I wouldn't have been able to live my life. I wouldn't have been able to have a normal day and to keep a positive attitude and to, you know, get a workout in or hang out with my friends. So just, you know, handling rejections well, whether it's sports or job interviews or, you know, even relationships, you have to keep on going mm -hmm. and you have to learn from them and, you know, you just got to brush them off because they can, can't define you and they can't drag you down. So just those little things, they really help me learn a lot and to just learn to keep on going. Parents, students out there, there is rejection, mm -hmm. not only in the college process, but life after. Yes. And you being in sales, or both of you in marketing, mm -hmm. and me being in sales, I say this, I love no's. Mm -hmm. yeah. I love rejection because you're one yes. no closer to a yes. There you go. As we did you were you going to say something, Emma? Oh, uh, a little something very go briefly. Ahead. So after track when Tara took on rowing, I actually became a Pilates instructor. And I took one class and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Even though I didn't have that great of uh, like public speaking skills, I actually didn't pass my first round of being an instructor, but you know, persisted. I was like, I have to do this. I already committed. I paid the deposit to become an instructor. So yeah, just getting past those zones of discomfort, right. realizing you might fail, that's what makes you a better person. Persistence wears down resistance. Mm -hmm. It's good. So one last question, because this could help you in a job interview too. <laughs> Typically, I ask three adjectives that describe yourself, but I'm gonna say one for each of you. So my audience and followers listen, they can hear two. One adjective that describes yourself, and then I'm gonna have a follow-up to that. And one adjective that describes yourself. What would it be, Emma? Competitive. <laughs> okay, Tara? I'd say hardworking. Hardworking. So most people are going to leave that, like at that, right? They're like, okay, hardworking, competitive. Here's my follow-up question. Give me an example of you being competitive. Okay. Um, in any circumstance that like, I would say track or with my job right now, I want to edge out someone in, in ways other than performance. So like, for example, we always wanted to look better or match in a different way, stand out. Just what is a way to attract other people's attention to mm -hmm. really capture that we are we're out here to do our best and win so in track we we all wore matching bright pink high socks just ways to compel people like of course i'm of course i'm gonna win like look look at me <laughs> things all, like that it's all about looking good walking off that bus yeah so that was the plan we, it worked tara hard working give me an example so for me i worked at robinson real estate which is a small real estate company in berkeley in north berkeley and one of the things that my boss told me that I did differently from every other person who'd worked in the administrative spot, he told me that, I mean, I, I'd run his deposits to the bank, you know, every other day. And he said, you're the only one that's made it back here in five minutes. It took everyone else 30 minutes. So they must have been dilly-dallying. So I knew just to get it done on time, get it done efficiently. And... Another thing with that is whenever I go to the gym, I've had people come up to, see, to me and say, you're, you're used to be an athlete or you are an athlete, aren't you? Because they can tell that my work ethic is very different from others around me. So yeah, it just get, getting things done, just not you know dilly-dallying. I think it's really important mm -hmm. to check things off the list. Employers listening out there, I would hi if I was hiring today, <laughs> I would hire both of you. Because Why, the, thank you. The heart, the, there's a I always used to say, what sport did you play? And that would tell me if they're competitive or not. 
And then what did you like about your coach? What did you not like about your coach? That told me if they're coachable or not. Mm. So this is just feedback. I mean, I'm telling you, the student manager podcast, we don't know, especially after <laughs> your followers start listening, we might grow it bigger. But then having discussions like this, Murph, I told you about this, how to interview in the process. But you guys are sharp. I'm so excited and happy that you both came in studio today. We have Tara Raiden, Emma Raiden, lovely sisters, family friends. They've just graduated from Cal. They're off into the real working world. So I want to thank our executive producer, Murph Cargis, for this Ooh. podcast. Murph, what time are we on? This might be one of the longest ones. <laughs> it's because there's two of us. There's two. Yes. <laughs> My goal is always to be under an hour. You might be the only podcast that hits, but there are two of you. I told there you we go. go 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, right. <laughs> but anyways, Fonger News is signing out because the student manager is past his time. <laughs> for all my for followers me. and listeners, yes. thank you, Tara. Thank yes. you, Emma. Thank, thank you. you. Fonger News out.